a Keep Productive production. Welcome to the Tools They Use podcast. Interviews with professionals about how they use apps, software, habits, and routines every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tools They Use podcast. We're back with another episode. Today, we'll be interviewing John Zaratsky. John and Jake Knapp are the creators of a book called Make Time. Uh, John has also a very uh, colourful history with working in tech companies and also implementing sprints, design sprints, in over 200 companies uh, around the world from Uber to Slack and many more. Now, I really enjoyed this interview today because we dived into uh, very much talking about time and how to take full advantage of focusing on a certain thing, highlights, and also laser focus in terms of removing any distractions um, and John goes really deep. Now the one thing I want to mention is I've been a fan of the book for a while um, and uh, I appear very nervous listening back to this podcast, very nervous talking to John. Um, It's mainly because I've followed him for quite a while and it was fantastic having him on the podcast. So uh, many thanks to him and um, please do check out the book, Make Time in the description below. It's it's one of my most gifted books for other people um, and uh, with Christmas coming up I, I'm sure people will be getting it in their stocking um, I, I'm almost certain of that anyway guys I really hope you enjoy this podcast episode um, please do enjoy with John Zaratsky John it's great to have you uh, where are you joining us from and, and uh, introduce yourself yeah of course <laughs> Uh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this. Uh, I am in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the United States, um, and we re- we were just talking about where that is for for those of you who don't know the the U.S. intimately well. Uh, it's just north of Chicago. This is this is where I live. It's uh, and is Milwaukee like is, is it like rural or is it like like what's the sort of the, yeah, like location, like it's, it's a city. It is the largest okay. city in the state of Wisconsin, but it's not a very large city by U.S. standards. It's about five hundred thousand people. Um, but I actually grew up in a really rural area. I grew up in a town of about nine hundred, um, and I've I've lived in cities ever since. So you can draw your own conclusions from that. But I've I've gotten to see kind of small town life, and I've and I've gotten to see and and I've come to really prefer big city life. I used to live in San Francisco and I lived in Chicago as well. Amazing. Well, the only reason I ask is because like in the UK, well, at least where I'm from, when they say city, it's like the nearest city is like a hundred thousand. So mm. it's like a lot, a lot lower than yeah. <laughs> what you guys define as a city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have cities like that too. Um, but there's, there's something about the, just the character of the city that changes when you go from, a million to 500,000 to 100,000, um, you know, even though it is, it's still by some definition a city, it, it kind of feels different. Oh, yeah, blimey, definitely. Yeah. Well, um, it's uh, really good to have you, John. Um, and for those who are like total newbies to uh, your work and, and maybe a bit of your past as well, because you've you've been, uh, you know, not just working on make time, um, you've worked on uh, Sprint, uh, FeedBurner, uh, it was acquired by Google as well. Uh, yeah, feel free to dive into a little bit of your past. Sure, yeah. So I spent about 15 years working in the tech industry. Um, I was a, a designer and a writer. 
Um, I worked at Google. I worked at YouTube. Um, and I worked with almost 200 startups through my time at Google Ventures, which is a VC firm that's funded by Google. So I would sort of get sent out into these companies after we made an investment in them to kind of help them out, be like a consultant for them, help them reach whatever goals they had. Um, and uh, that was where I uh, developed the the five-day design sprint process with Jake Knapp and with the, the rest of the team at Google Ventures. Um, and I left Google Ventures in 2017 and spent about 18 months traveling in Central America with my wife. We lived on our sailboat and we sailed from San Francisco down through Mexico, uh, Central America, went through the Panama Canal, and sailed up through the Caribbean and finished our voyage in Key West, Florida. Um, and just as of a few months ago, I moved up here to Wisconsin and now I'm focused on helping people make good use of their time. So I'm continuing to write and I'm speaking and I'm teaching workshops. Um, and the, the, the ways that I help people uh, include the design sprint process, which is a way for a team to kind of get together and restructure their time around a really important problem or project that they're working on. Uh, but it also includes make time, which is this framework that helps busy, distracted people take control of their energy and their attention so they can actually make time for the things that matter most to them. And, and that's, uh, I also developed that with Jake Knapp. So Jake's kind of my, my partner in crime, my, one of my best friends and, and a longtime collaborator. Yeah. And it's, uh, quite amazing. I didn't actually know that you were the traveled so long in 18 months. Yeah. That's a long time, but yeah. that's a, that's a wicked trip to do though. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. It, um, my wife and I are not not big thrill seekers, <laughs> despite what it <laughs> might look like doing a trip like that. Um, but we we'd been living in San Francisco and we really liked it there. But we kind of felt like um, our our life was not of our own design. It was a collection of kind of defaults and little habits and behaviors and things that that had built up over the years and stuck around. We were both working in you know full time corporate jobs and we were busy and had a lot going on. A typical kind of like urban uh, lifestyle in many ways, and we were interested in kind of resetting those defaults and seeing what it would be like to slow down and to have more more control over how we were spending our time and more focus on sort of the basics of life. So we decided to to take this trip and we didn't know how long we'd be gone or where we would end up when we were finished. Um, but after the first nine months, we actually took a, a break and we, we, um, we came to Wisconsin for a few months as kind of a test run to see what it would be like to live here. And then we went back to the boat and that was when we we decided together that we we felt re-energized. We felt like we had kind of reset things, and we were excited to be back in the states to to be in a situation to kind of build a life that was designed around the stuff that we wanted to be spending time on. That's it, and it, that's like a lot of what make time is about as well. Yeah, um, obviously, it's about being able to take yourself away from these obsessive <laughs> tech habits that we have. Yeah. Right. And I, <laughs> and, and I, and yeah. I struggle with sometimes talking about 
the sailing trip as it relates to make time because make time isn't about these these huge you know life changing things. It's not about quit your job and go you know live on your sailboat type of stuff. Um, it's really about taking that attitude and that philosophy every day and looking at the day and and not just kind of checking all the boxes and answering all the emails and, and going through the motions, but thinking about what's most important to you and sort of building your day and building your your attention, making those decisions about what you pay attention to around what's most important to you. Fantastic. And for those who may be listening along and actually curious about what make time is about in general, in terms of uh, the process and methodology that you guys have developed, um, could you give like a, a summary of that that method? Sure. Yeah. So the kind of the core idea with make time is that most of our time is spent by default. So when we wake up in the morning and we grab our phone and we check our email and we look at Twitter and we check the news and then we go to work and our day's planned out for us. We've got meetings we got to go to, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're sort of we're tired. And so we, you know, we turn on Netflix and we end up you know watching uh, six episodes in a row. And, you know, we didn't think about making dinner. So we grab our phone and order delivery. Um, these are not all intentional decisions. And they're not necessarily bad decisions. I mean, on their own, any one of them is, you know, they, they, they make sense. They're, I, I've made those decisions myself. Um, but the point is that we didn't do them on purpose. We didn't, uh, we didn't necessarily choose those things. And the thesis behind make time is that if you understand the role of defaults, you can begin to reset them. You can, you can change the defaults. You can create new defaults for yourself and in the process, you can redesign your time around the things that matter most to you. And so we have a lot of concrete tactics in make time. There are 87 different like tiny little things. And, and the idea is not that you should do all 87 or try all 87. And, and, and we, we don't, you know, this isn't a one size fits all plan or, you know, a checklist of 15 things you need to do. It's meant to be a menu of different tactics that you can pick up and you can try and you can, you can, you know, you gravitate toward the ones that work best for you and sort of discard the ones that don't work for you. Um, but they're all unified around that, that philosophy that I mentioned and around four daily steps. So the first step is actually to, um, to, to be kind of proactive and be optimistic about how you want to be spending your time. And we call that highlight. So choosing one thing that you want to prioritize during the day. The second step is called laser. It's all about uh, avoiding distraction by creating barriers, uh, kind of setting things up so that you make it more difficult to get sucked into those sort of mindless sessions of scrolling and refreshing and binge watching. The third step is energize. It's all about taking care of your, your body and your brain so that you actually have the energy to make the most of those moments that matter to you, those things you want to be doing. And then the fourth step is reflect. And that's kind of a just a simple process of looking back on the day, taking a couple of notes, and making a plan for the next day. It, it is one of my uh, favorite productivity books. And the, the reason why I, I do like it is, as you said, it, uh, it, it brings together like these actionable tips like you said like the menu it's really quite nice to go away because you can pick little bits out of the book like I, I I um from when I read the book to now uh, I used to be on Instagram maybe half an hour a day 
<laughs> and now I spend maybe five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's definitely helped um, other aspects of my work. Like, for cool. example, when I'm editing for two hours, I'm not necessarily disrupting myself. Mm-hmm. And it's brought down time periods um, and timescales for a lot of different things. So um, yeah. it's it's really great for, like, everyone. Uh, and that's what I, uh, I, I really like about the book. But um, cool. I think one of the things that... Um, is a good starting point is obviously that highlight area is uh, picking those few things you want to do during the day. Uh, do you have any tips for, you know, when you're actually uh, coming to choose the maybe three or four things you want to do in the day or whether it is one or two? It'd be great to hear. Yeah, definitely. Uh, first, I, I think it's it might be interesting to touch on kind of this idea that um, that make time starts it starts. It doesn't start with defense, you know. I think a lot of times when we think about um, distraction and productivity, and you know, we're it's it's all about how to not get distracted, how to not get interrupted, how to how to stay focused. Um, but I think that that line of thinking can begin to feel like a bit of a chore. It can uh, it can be like you know eating healthy or or saving money. It's stuff that you know you should be doing, but you know it's not that. It's not that exciting to do. And so we always try to start the conversation by talking about what you want to be doing, what you want to be making time for, whether it's something at work or something in your personal life or people that you want to be spending time with. And that once you've identified that thing, it makes it so much easier to make all those other little decisions about avoiding distraction, about staying energized, et cetera. Um, and so the idea of a highlight is to choose just one thing during the day that you want to prioritize. Of course, it's not the only thing that you'll do, um, but it's but it's one thing where you direct your your best focus and your best energy. I use a couple of different strategies um, to choose my daily highlight. Um, sometimes I choose something that's urgent or time sensitive. You know, where it just it just re- like it really needs to get done, and I'm going to make sure it gets done today. Sometimes I'll choose a highlight that is based on the satisfaction that I know it will bring me, something that maybe I've been getting, I've been wanting to get around to for a while or I've been thinking about for a long time. And sometimes I'll choose a highlight that's just fun. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just based on joy. It's just something that I want to be doing. Um, so to give you a couple of, of examples, uh, this week on Sunday, my highlight was to go to the art museum. We have a really great art museum here in Milwaukee and there's a there's an exhibit there that my wife and I wanted to see. So, you know, kind of planned my day around doing that. Um, another day uh, on Tuesday, I had this um, something time sensitive. I had an interview, it was a written interview where somebody had sent me questions and I was writing answers and they're going to they're going to post it. Um, and that they needed that back, so that became my highlight and I made sure that I prioritized answering those questions. Um, and then uh, yesterday, I um, my highlight was one of those kind of satisfaction-based highlights. It was a, an article that I had been thinking about for a long time and had sort of been jotting down notes on for, for a few months. And, and yesterday, I sat down and I outlined it and I started to write the first draft of it. So those are just a few of the, the kind of examples of how I use this idea of highlight and I sort of rotate through those different strategies. So um, I've been doing this for such a long time that it's it's intuitive in some ways for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking about is this an urgent highlight or a joyful highlight, but I am kind of using those three different buckets as a way to keep my life and keep my time in balance. 
I really like some of those examples. And the the nice thing I like about Highlight is that what you can do with it as well is if you, for example, did that in the morning and you managed to conquer your Highlight early on, um, obviously there might be a few more things on your to-do list, but um, you always endorse actually ending it when you know, you've actually done everything versus like, oh, I've completed all my stuff. I should push the boundaries, uh, maybe burn myself out. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I think there's always one more thing that we could do. And when we don't have a clear sense of what's most important to us, it's difficult to know when to stop. Uh, so if we don't have something like a highlight, if we have kind of the, the typical day, this, the sorts of days that I used to have when I worked inside of Google, you know, big company, lots of emails, lots of meetings, um, where the day just seems to be kind of this endless stream of, of reaction, you know, reacting to what's in your inbox, reacting to what's going on in the meetings. Um, and it, it can be difficult to know when you're done, you know, when you've done enough for that day. And so if you answer one more email or you try to do one more thing, maybe after you get home from work, um, you know, it, uh, it, it, it wears you out. It tires you out. It, uh, kind of frazzles you. And it, not only does it kind of make you feel dissatisfied with how you spent that day, it makes you less likely to have a good day tomorrow. So, Mm -hmm. so I do think that, um, you know, the, the benefit of the highlight is not just in making sure that you actually create the time and the space for that thing. It's also for giving you a mechanism by which to say, okay, I've done the most important thing today. And yep, there's a bunch more things that I could do, but I can at least kind of take some satisfaction from knowing that I made time for that thing that was most important to me. That's it. it. It's sort of like knocking the the biggest ta- task out the park <laughs> right off the bat, isn't it? Yeah. And it, you know, for me, it is often in the morning um, because that's when I have my best creative energy. But for other people, it's it's not. Um, my co-author, Jake, uh, Jake Knapp, he he tried becoming a morning person, but it didn't work for him. Uh, so he he protects his nighttime hours uh, after his kids yeah. go to bed. That's like his golden time where he can really focus, um, you know, other people, it's it's the afternoon. It might be, uh, you know, if if what's really uh, kind of important to you is is spending time with your family, making maybe making dinner for your kids. Um, maybe that's kind of the couple of hours right when you get home from work, and that's the period that is most important to you. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's you know there's there's always a million other things to do, and and for me, you know, I, I will usually work on my highlight in the morning um, and. I can, if I'm in, if I'm in the zone, I can work on something that's kind of focused and creative for, for a few hours, uh, assuming I take breaks. So I'll usually start around, around 7 a.m. and work until about 11 or 1130 with breaks, um, you know, to eat and, and shower and that kind of stuff. Um, but that's kind of like it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sapped in terms of my ability to really do like focused work. And so then the afternoon is the time when I do a lot of uh, email and administrative work. And it's all that stuff that needs to get done and stuff that's on my to-do list and things to follow up on and, you know, documents to update and whatever. Um, but it's not where I direct my highest focus. That's it. And and that also, um, that sort of first part of your day is where the so a second stage of make time comes in is, is the laser side of stuff. Um, is actually like trying to remove all distractions. Do you have any tips uh, for people who are trying to 
get through that in terms of you know curbing anything they've got coming into their system? Yeah. So I worked in the tech industry for a long time, and uh, I actually worked on I worked on YouTube, uh, which for for some people is super distracting. Um, Jake worked on Gmail. You know, email is something that I think we all struggle with um kind of putting boundaries around and and using it in a way that's that's really good for us um so so i'm i'm super familiar with how these apps are made and and some of the reasons that they are so distracting and so addictive mm-hmm. um but i've also you know from from working in the tech industry the the workplace cultures at big tech companies is also very, um, very fast paced. You know, there's an expectation that you're always connected, you're responsive. Um, and, and obviously being a technology company, you're, you're, you're sort of the processes and the ways that you do things are saturated with technology. So, so that also kind of gave me this really good proving ground as I was developing some of these tactics to see, well, you know, if they work here in this culture and this kind of crazy, always on, uh, connected culture of a technology company, um, they'll probably work in other types of organizations. And and I think the the sort of underlying philosophy of avoiding distraction is really to make it more difficult to become distracted in the first place. So to create barriers to distraction. Um, uh, you know, the people like me and Jake who worked in the tech industry uh, spent years making making everything as as friction-free and seamless as possible. You know, it's meant to be really easy to, to get started and sign up and, and kind of get sucked in. And so I found that if you can add some of that friction back in, if you can create some speed bumps that slow you down, uh, it can have a huge effect on your ability to direct your attention. So one of the most powerful things is identifying the apps on your phone that you struggle with the most and then removing them, <laughs> uh, which which sounds kind of scary, uh, depending on on what the app is. Um, but there's there's usually a kind of a fallback of you know using that thing on you know th- through the browser, maybe on the computer. Um, but Jake and I both have what we call a distraction free phone, which is a phone that doesn't have any infinity pool apps. So those are the apps that you can sort of refresh. Um, you know, at any time, and there's an, an infinite collection of potentially interesting content. So, no social media apps. Um, we uh, no news apps. We don't have email on our phones. We don't. Um, we don't even have web browsers on our phones. We have them disabled. Um, and you know, you, you don't have to go to that extreme. You don't have to be the hardcore version of that. But, but you know, I. When I when I'm reading about things like you know tweaking notifications and do not disturb mode and there's all these different kind of uh, you know more hacky ways of making your phone less distracting um, you know I, I try those things and I keep coming back to sort of the, the the simple but powerful tactic of simply removing the apps to kind of cut off the source of that distraction in the first place. Another one that I do is um, 
on my computer, I stay logged out of websites that I find very distracting. And for me, a big one is Twitter. So um, I log out of Twitter and I've actually changed my password to a random string that I keep in a password manager app, which is a good idea anyway for purposes of security. Um, and so the, the, the flow, if I, you know, if I've been writing or whatever and, and kind of have that impulse to go and check Twitter, the flow is that I go, you know, twitter.com and instead of the, the juicy feed that has all those interesting stories and photos and, you know, what, what, uh, what Trump is doing and, you know, somebody's, you know, interesting medium post. Instead, it's just the login screen. Um, and so it causes me to stop and to think, is this really what I want to be doing right now? You know, is there a purpose for me checking Twitter or is it just, uh, was it just an impulse? Um, if I do decide that I want to log in, then I go to my password manager app. I copy the password. I come back to Twitter. I, I paste it in. I log in and, you know, there, there I am. But, um, but, but that's an example of how creating friction can really make it much easier to stay focused on the things you want to be doing. Definitely. And I think for many people listening, Twitter and, and social media apps will be a big uh, a very big issue. And and what I quite liked in the book is that you guys, I did, did you actually create the terminology yourself in terms like inf infinity pools and, and as far as like I that. know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so, uh, <laughs> it's so I loved when I was reading it, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And, and combined with the illustrations of, of your guys' stories, it was really, really cool. Cool. Thank you. And, um, obviously like, uh, you know, uh, some people will, uh, walk away from this uh, podcast and and maybe be able to dock a few of their apps, but maybe not all of them. Um, but what are some of the things that uh, they can do uh, after sort of lasering to energize and 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 focus on the the piece of work at hand? Yeah, so I think this is where a lot of uh, a lot of books and and articles and advice about productivity um, where they they kind of stop, and I think they stop too soon, which is that they, they are entirely above the shoulders stuff, you know, their brain stuff. They're all about thinking about what we should be doing and how we should be spending our time and that stuff. And they don't pay attention to the rest of the body. And of course, you know, our, our, our bodies and our brains are connected. Um, you know, we can, if we're unwell mentally, it can make us unwell physically. And if we're unwell physically, it can affect our ability to think clearly and to focus and to pay attention to the stuff that we we care about. So um, so Jake and I think it's really important to find ways to take care of your body, to build energy, to make sure that you are that you're present, that you're focused, that you're able to really um, make the most of your highlight, the things that you want to be doing, the thing that you planned your day around, you know, you avoided your distractions. You don't want to show up to that moment uh, burned out or, or exhausted. And, uh, and building energy and taking care of yourself really is not that complicated. Um, a lot of our, our sort of strategy is to look back into human history and figure out like, what are the things that humans have been doing for hundreds of thousands of years? And how can we recreate those or sort of bring the, the best parts of those things into our modern world? And so it's things like movement, making sure that you're actually using your body and moving your body. Um, 
things like eating real food, you know, not packaged processed food, but actual uh, real food. Um, Finding moments of quiet, uh, you know, the ancient world um, in which humans lived for most of our our existence on Earth, um, there were there was you know there were very few interruptions. There wasn't constant noise. We weren't constantly being engaged. Um, spending time with with other people that we care about face to face instead of uh, communicating over over you know iMessage or. Um, you know, or emails can give us a lot of energy. And, and of course, uh, you know, uh, getting really high quality sleep is important. So those are kind of the big, the big categories. And just like we do with the rest of the book, we, um, we try to break that down into very concrete tactics. So things you can try. And a, a few of them that really are important to me that work well for me are um, making sure that my my bedroom is a bedroom, <laughs> meaning that uh, it's it's where I go to sleep. You know, it's um, yeah. you know, I don't have a a TV. Um, I don't keep my phone in my bedroom. I don't even um, you know don't even have. Uh, I actually I actually do now have an alarm clock. I was going to say I don't even have an alarm clock, but I have a really basic alarm clock so that I don't have to use my phone to to set an alarm, um, and that really helps me. Uh, wind down to sort of follow the rhythm of the day and to, to fall asleep and to sleep well. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, try to keep my body engaged and moving as much as possible. I walk a ton. Um, if there's a flight of stairs, I take the stairs. Um, if there's an option to carry something, I carry it. Um, I actually created, uh, after years of trying tons of different workout programs and plans I actually created my own that's called the three by three workout um a super uh, simple one it takes about 20 minutes and i can do it without any equipment anywhere i am um including if i'm in a hotel or, or whatever um uh and another thing that i've been i've been doing quite a bit lately is um is trying to to convert uh, contact, you know, when people sort of reach out over uh, chat or messaging or email, convert that into real connection. So if somebody, you know, is texting me to, you know, friends like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Um, you know, I'll say, hey, you want to jump on the phone um, tonight or, you know, t- tomorrow morning or whatever. Um, so try to kind of take that, that, uh, that impulse that comes from somebody reaching out and convert that into, you know, some, some, more genuine form of human connection, either face to face or or video or or even just phone, where we can hear each other's voices. It connects us back to the ways that humans have been communicating for for hundreds of thousands of years, and I think really, um, for me anyway, it gives me a lot of energy. I bet some people freaked out <laughs> when they are because <laughs> some because some people don't like phone calls, do they these days? Yeah, you know, I think that. Um, so I, I am a person who, uh, well, first I should say that it's not like my friend texts me. It's not like the immediate, like, let's jump on the phone. You know, it's more yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, there are different kinds of texts. Right. Um, and I can yeah. tell if this is, if this is going to be one of those, you know, we're going to be, ch- we're going to be texting back and forth over the next two hours trying to catch up. That's the one where I'll say, Hey, it'd be great to get on the phone and, and hear what's going on with you. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I actually am one of those people who doesn't really like phone calls. Um, you know, like if, if I'm like, you know, I've got to, got to like pay a bill or like follow up on something and I'm sitting on the website and there's a phone number and there's an email, I'm always going to send the email, you know, yeah, cause yeah. I, I just, you know, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the, um, 
you know, maybe it's a little bit of some kind of anxiety about, you know, what is that going to be an annoying phone call or what's the other person going to be like? Or I don't know. Um, but, but with friends, it's different. You know, I think with, hmm. with talking to somebody that you know, somebody that you, you really have a true connection with, um, I don't know, for me anyway, like any, any misgivings about whether or not I want to be on that phone call, they fade away pretty much immediately as soon as, uh, as soon as I, I start the conversation. Definitely. And um, I, th- I, d- I don't know, like obviously make time is about uh, essentially work-life balance as well, because you're looking at how to, you know, balance that and your life and work and personal activities all in one. Um, but I think in the last, like, I don't know whether it's just me, but at least in the last like 10 years, it felt like we got carried away with work and that whole like sort of revolution with social media. And now we're only just sort of resetting ourselves now. And <laughs> is, is that just me? Or <laughs> No, I see what you're saying. And, and, and I, I would argue that we got carried away with things that felt like work, but probably mm. weren't actually work. You know, we, we, get, we got sucked into this, this mode of being always connected and always reacting. Um, and, you know, even something as simple as checking our email on our phone um, that we do throughout the course of the day when we're running out to, to lunch or when we're commuting or when we're sitting at home, um, that makes it feel like we're working all the time. But we're not actually like the the part of our our work that's valuable, that matters, that's important. Checking our email is not it's not helping with that. And so I think that we we took um, systems and tools and and modes of interaction that traditionally had been associated with work, and we applied them to uh, a lot more areas of our lives. And we allowed them to take over a, a, a much larger surface area of our life. We, we allowed them to sort of expand and fill up the time um, that, that was available to them in our day. And so, uh, so yeah, I think that, that now, you know, as I've been, I've been writing about this stuff and talking about it and, and talking to a lot of people, I feel like we're all in this sort of global conversation, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the developed world, I guess, is, is really talking about and thinking about how best to use all of these new technologies, because whether it's, it's smartphones or social media or some of the, you know, surveillance technologies or, or even, you know, automation that we worry about from kind of an economic perspective, all this stuff is really new. You know, it's, it's a lot of these technologies have not been around for more than 10 years. And, Every new wave of technology brings with it questions and challenges. And I, I kind of think that that's, you know, it's, it's akin to when the first automobiles came around or when cities were first, uh, first had electricity. You know, it's like we're kind of in that early phase of, of like, whoa, what do we do with this stuff? Like, yeah. like, we know it can do some good, but it can also do some bad. There's some risks. So how do we balance that? How do we navigate that? And so I think that's, that's really the the conversation that we're in right now definitely and it's really exciting times ahead right uh, well it, it, as long as we focus on the good stuff <laughs> of course i think so i mean i i am an optimist um by nature and i think i you know i have the i have the fortune and i have the privilege of being able to be an optimist of choosing that mindset um mm-hmm. and i definitely think that there are 
there's some ways that we can go wrong. You know, there's some, yeah, that this conversation could lead to some bad places. But, you know, I, I think that the fact that we're, that we're now talking about it is really good. I think the fact that people are paying attention to how data is being used, to how their, their time is being kind of taken from them, how their attention is being manipulated. I think that's really good because I think that, um, it is going to lead to, um, a set of, of defaults and a set of norms that allow us to make the best of new technology um, and to use it as a tool to help us instead of letting it use us. And so mm-hmm. that's my that's my hope. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. Putting us in the driver's seat instead of uh, yeah. somebody else. <laughs> with, yeah, and that's really what... And that's really what make time is about, you know, at, at a micro level is like putting yourself in the driver's seat every day um, so that when you wake up, you have a plan, you know, what's important to you and you have this, this toolkit, you have this menu of these concrete things that you can use to put that plan into action. hundred percent. John, it's uh, been so good having you. Um, you've dropped uh, too many gems in this podcast. <laughs> so I think <laughs> uh, people will absolutely uh, love it. Um, please uh, share with everyone where they can find you and, and also the book after this uh, podcast. Yeah, totally. Um, best place to go is maketime.blog. That's the website for everything Make Time. And you can see the book there. Um, the book is available anywhere you buy books. So big bookstores, Amazon, et cetera. Um, and, uh, and despite my, my challenges with distraction and addiction, I, I would encor- encourage you to follow me on Twitter. Um, and I do spend some time there, although I try to keep it, try to keep it uh, limited. Um, and and my, my username is Jazzer, J-A-Z-E-R on Twitter. Love it. Thank you, John. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be having you on Keep Productive, or at least again, uh, many awesome. times, <laughs> uh, if you're cool. still up yeah. for it. <laughs> but, of course, um, I'd love to. Yeah, it'd be fun yeah. to continue the conversation. Definitely. Um, but thanks for, thanks for this episode, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Are you a subscriber on the Keep Productive YouTube channel? If not, you'd love it software reviews and news just search for keep productive on youtube for weekly videos thanks for listening to the tools they use podcast a keep productive production see you next time